0: At Europe's northern extremity lies Norway, a country dominated by rugged mountains and deep fjords. Just 20% of its landmass is less than 150 metres above sea level.
1: This forbidding topography has meant two things. Firstly, a lot of Norway's communities have endured historic isolation. Secondly, over the last century, Norwegians have become very good at tunnelling.
0: If you drive for any length of time outside a Norwegian city, you'll likely pass through tunnel after tunnel as the roads wind through valleys and bore beneath peaks.
1: The tunnels are often steep, diving down beneath fjords, only to emerge on the far side. It's through tunnels that the Norwegians have made their homes accessible and built links between their remote villages.
0: Tunnels are an indispensable fact of Norwegian life and have become a part of their culture. Norwegians love tunnels.
2: <laughs> yes, we do love our tunnels. Well, yeah, we do. I mean, the way that we have been building tunnels in Norway is to connect, to a large extent, rural areas with the rest of the society.
0: This is Ivind Grove, a prominent Norwegian geoscientist working for the Sintef Research Institute in Trondheim in central Norway.
2: There was a conference here in Trondheim uh, some 10, 12 years ago on straight crossings, and Martin Knight, who was the president of ITA at that time.
0: ITA, the International Tunnelling Association.
2: He visited this conference. And in his uh, farewell speech, he called these tunnels for social tunneling, which I think is is a good term for tunneling in Norway, because the way that the the, the landscape is formed, the length of the of the country, the fjords, the mountains, and everything. I mean, it basically separates communities so you have to have tunnels to connect these communities to each other so social tunneling to me yeah i think i'm proud of that i think that's a, I think it's a good term
1: today we're going to look at a project that brought a community together and is known throughout norway although we're not talking about some critical infrastructure link
0: It was nominated for an ITA Oddities of the Underground Award, and although it didn't win, at the time it was built, it was possibly unique in the tunnelling world.
1: Today we're looking at the equally legendary Drummond Spiral.
0: Hello and welcome to the Tunnelling Podcast. I'm Alex Conacher.
1: And I'm Bernadette Ballantyne.
0: In this episode we are joined by ivan grove a legend of the norwegian tunnelling industry who has spent his career pushing the boundaries of tunnel science
1: he'll take us back 60 years to his hometown of Drammen, about 35 kilometers from oslo the world was a very different place and Drammen was facing a number of problems
0: but first a message from our sponsor
3: support for this episode comes from surumi uk Surumi UK provides a range of superior quality, highly durable, single and three-phase submersible pumps that can withstand the toughest of conditions in tunnelling and construction projects. They recognise that tunnels are digging deeper and demands are increasing. That's why Surumi UK provide a wide range of reliable products designed for pumping almost any type of liquid. They understand that removing residual and contaminated water is vital in maintaining a safe working environment in tunnel construction so their aim is to provide products to do just that cerumi pumps are renowned as the most robust pumps on the market so all submersible pumps are combined with a three-year guarantee living up to their slogan that they are stronger for longer to find out more visit their website www.cerumi.co.uk that's Tsurumi spelt T-S-U-R-U-M-I.
0: And now back to the episode.
1: These days, Ivind Grove works on a number of research projects for SYNTEF.
2: SYNTEF is a research institute, probably one of the biggest ones here in Europe, and it's covering basically all the different topics that are taught at the university here in Trondheim.
0: Sintef has been active for 70 years, focusing on industry and applied sciences, while the university stuck to pure research and education. Ivan's team is currently working on something called Supercon.
2: Which is, I hope, the next generation of sprayed concrete. We would like to reduce the amount of uh, cement. You know, cement is not a very nice uh, product when it comes to to CO2 uh, emission
1: although he says his real dream would be to make sprayed concrete watertight.
2: Which means that you have to deal with um, the cracking that occurs when the hardening and the setting uh, takes place. So we have to have a crack-free, more or less, sprayed concrete and you have a watertight uh, concrete lining. And that would certainly be, I would say, the next generation of, of sprayed concrete. But the highlight
0: of his career was tunnelling in the Faroe Islands, in which the Norwegian love of connecting small communities was brought to the remote islanders.
2: You know the Faroe Islands, a group of maybe 50,000 people, and they started on their first subsea tunnel back in uh, the late 90s. Well actually they had started 10 years earlier, but. A financial crackdown in the late 80s and the beginning of the 90s delayed the project significantly so we started the first subsidy tunnel in in the late uh, 90s early 2000 and then the second came a couple of years later and whilst we were doing the second one we started to look at the third one and the fourth one (laughs) so now they have uh, they have completed altogether three subsea tunnels. They are uh, almost two-thirds of the tunneling works for the fourth one. And this will actually bring the islands much, much, much closer.
1: A trip that used to take a day by ferry now takes a couple of hours. An astonishing societal impact for the Faroe Islands.
2: And I have had the pleasure of being involved in all these uh, four projects. and. It's been really, really amazing and fun. It's one of the most interesting things I've been involved in during my career.
0: The population of the Faroe Islands is so small that the investment needed for tunnelling is awe-inspiring. Much like Norway, it's a nation that cares about uniting people.
2: Yes, um, I, I tried to kind of look at the that look at the investment that the islands are doing and compare it with signal projects uh, like the Channel Tunnel and and those projects, and the investment per inhabitant for these projects they are doing now is eight times compared to those big ones that we that we know as as, as signal uh, projects around the world. So it's a tremendous lift for the. For the for the society in in the Faroe Islands to actually do this, unfortunately, I mean the 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 total cost is you know peanuts compared to the big ones, but I think in in our world, in our tunneling community, we have to sort of uh, put things into perspective, and making a ratio between the investment per capital per capita is much more interesting than just looking at the big figure.
0: Ivan became an engineering geologist because of his love of the outdoors, possibly inspired by the valleys around his hometown of Drammen. And in those early days,
2: it was an industrial town. The city was dominated by heavy industries during uh, the period starting afterwards the Second World War. Um, particularly paper mills, and and, and kind of heavy industry. It was some sort of a sleeping town for uh, the capital of Norway, Oslo, because it's only kind of 35 kilometres away from Oslo. So Drammen was always the
1: underdog of the region. Ivind calls it the little brother of Oslo.
2: But with Drammen, there is also a fantastic area where you can go skiing, where you can go hiking in the, in the woods and, and, and tenting and doing these kind of things. Which is much bigger than you could expect from a small uh, town like Drammen.
0: Nowadays, Drammen is a modern town with a lot of outdoor sports and activities. As with much of Norway, the economy has been transformed and the heavy industry is gone.
1: But back in the post war period of Ivan's childhood, industry was critical, and the key to construction in the area was an old quarry.
2: The quarry was basically located uh, in what today is the city center. And the, the, the need of the quarry was that um, Drummen is uh, sitting on quick clay, and every building had to be piled somehow. And then they used to say that the piles came up. Faster than they went down when they do the piling, which says something about the the quality of the of the ground. And and when they when they started to develop Drammen after the Second World War,
0: a period in which things began to accelerate in Norway, they needed land for various purposes to develop the city itself, and the quarry was sitting in a prime location.
2: And then they came to the idea that well, why don't uh, abandon this quarry? and make a tunnel and use the material from the tunnel to actually start to develop the, uh, the city.
1: And use the spoil from the tunnel, a rock known as Drammen's granite for construction while freeing up the surface.
2: I think today that's a really, I, th- I think today when we are looking at a greener environment and things like that, the fact that they actually they, they built a tunnel to use the material, to me that's just fantastic.
0: But the tunnel had a dual purpose. The main goal was to get at the Dramund's granite.
2: But Drummond was, as I said, it was a city with a lot of industry and things like that, and didn't really have any particular souvenirs or things that could bring tourists and people to Drummond. So they also needed that kind of, you know, uh, site. They, they wanted people to, visit Raman they didn't have anything in particular to showcase and therefore they made these uh, two purposes in one that the tunnel would be a nice site to visit in the future when it was completed and the tunnel takes people to a part of the area where you can go walking you can go hiking you can go skiing um, bicycling is unfortunately not allowed in, in this area and the area used to be kind of a kind of a fortress back in the the really good old days to um, to watch the city of Drummond.
0: the tunnel itself is an ascending spiral we've linked to a drive through video in our show notes but it runs for 1,650 metres and completes 6.5 loops from the bottom to the top, which is 200 metres up. The tunnel width is 9 metres and the height is 4.5 at the centre line. The gradient is 10% and the curve diameter is 70 metres.
1: Not only do Norwegians love tunnels, they're used to driving through very steep ones – routes that people from other nations might find intimidating.
2: to me, driving through the tunnel is not a you know it's not a big issue. I mean, if there is a car coming down in the other direction, you will always see their headlights, and the the, the probability of meeting a car is not very high either because the traffic density on the, on a normal day would be 500s or, or something in that range. During the peak summertime, it could raise to a couple of thousands so I mean, if you compare it to to high traffic tunnels elsewhere, this is <laughs> this is this is like driving uh, in a, absolutely uh, no traffic tunnel at all.
0: The Drammen Spiral has recently undergone a renovation project to bring it up to modern standards, with design and consultancy undertaken by Ramble.
2: I remember it as a rather dark and a rather wet tunnel because it was you know it was made according to the standards of the 50s and that was quite simple or quite plain standard there, was, there were no fancy illumination or things like that it was it was a really basic tunnel that could bring you from from the zero level to the 200 meters above sea sea level and and that's it So I think that, I think that people were actually, I mean, today, uh, people who came to, or who would come to Drummond and drive through it from kind of big cities around the world, would look at it as a rather dirty, dark uh, and wet tunnel.
0: As we mentioned earlier, Norwegians have traditionally always been good at building very efficient tunnels, high quality due to the conditions, but still at low cost.
2: Yes, I think I I think we claim, well, I'm I'm sure we claim that we are building cost and time effective tunnels. Which means, well, there is there's a there's a principle in this also, which is saying that the rock mass will act and have a self-standing capacity, which means that you do not need to support it unless you need to. Instead of making a thick 50-60 centimeter concrete lining, we are using sprayed concrete and rock bolts and and reinforce where it is needed. Of course, today the standards have changed and I mean, to put an extra rock bolt or a few extra cubic meters of spray concrete doesn't really make a big difference for a, for a big project. But in, in principle, they are time and cost effective. At the same time, today, we have to fulfill the requirements of safety installations and things like that, which means that this has changed Uh, over the last uh, few decades to become more like uh, tunnels that you see around the world in in respect of safety installations, illumination and things like that. But the the principle at the base is that these tunnels should not be uh, uh, having extraordinary support works. I mean, use the self-standing capacity of the rock mass. That's a red trend through it.
1: The modern upgrade project began following an inspection by the local fire department, which stated that the spiral could not meet modern fire regulations. That was the main driver for the project, and no surprise for a 60-year-old tunnel.
0: The full scope of work included added tunnel support with rock bolts and sprayed concrete, local water and frost protection wherever water could be found, a new drainage system, technical infrastructure, mechanical ventilation to deal with potential fire scenarios, upgraded transformer stations, emergency electrical capacity and lighting, emergency niches, mobile data coverage and emergency egress.
1: There will also be a light show for people as they drive through the tunnel. It will cycle through morning, afternoon and night and into the spectacular Aurora Borealis.
2: It was planned to be completed by the end of last year. I have not been visiting Drummond since then, unfortunately, but I, I will certainly go and see and drive through it uh, next time I'll be in Drummond. I do not have any plans in the very near future, unfortunately, but I hope there will be a possibility soon.
0: Although he has not yet visited since the upgrade works were completed, as a local to the project, Ivind was asked by the Norwegian Tunneling Society to submit the tunnel for the ITA's Oddities of the Underground Award. His pride in the region and the tunnel is clear whenever he speaks about it. And he points out that it was ranked sixth most spectacular tunnel in the world by CNN.
1: And we've linked to that article in our show notes.
0: Ivan finishes by saying that Norwegians have always made bold decisions when it comes to tunnelling.
2: Well, I can can tell you a small story. At the turn of the century, uh, between 18 and 1900, the government of Norway decided that they were going to spend a whole lot of money on a project building a railway between Oslo and Bergen.
1: The cost of this link was equivalent to an entire year of Norway's GDP.
2: Which tells us that we had brave politicians who were actually willing to put that amount of money on risk for building this particular railway. So it has always been, well, at least in modern times, important to secure that we have good connections. And it's an extremely expensive uh, country to make good connections with all these fjords and with all these mountains and things. You need to have, uh, you need to have uh, cuttings, you need to have land fillings, you need to have tunnels. I mean, it's not like putting a road on a flat ground.
0: Tunnelling Podcast is a production of Reby Media. This episode was written and hosted by me, Alex Conacher. My co-host was Bernadette Ballantyne. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. And our executive producer is Rory Harris. Special thanks to our supporter for this episode, Surumi UK. Thank you for listening. You can find us on all podcast apps on our website, tunnelling.reeby.media, on Twitter and on LinkedIn.